there's that um, incredible actor who's in like a bunch of westerns and these old Disney cartoons, and he he always shows up sounding like this. Yep, oh, he was yeah. the, he's the guard dog in Aristocrats. Yeah, I'm the leader. Oh. That guy. <laughs> You. I'm a leader. <laughs> well, I do declare. Um, he's in Back to the Future Part Three. Um, he's in a. Oh my god, he he's is. He's in a bunch of shit. I we don't really allow that kind of actor so much anymore. Where you're almost not even you're not an actor that takes on different parts. You're an actor with one persona, and that persona shows up playing different parts in in movies the character and tv shows. actor persona that kind of bit but not even like the character actor because like there are character actors that just do characters like if yeah, groucho marx had starred in regular movies but kept the whole groucho marx like affectation and the eyebrows you know what is the most recent iteration of that that i can think of and i mean this with like this actually i say this with so much affection in my heart the muppets yeah. Because whenever they do their movies, they're like, uh, it's like Dorothy played by Miss Piggy. Right. And you're just like, well, like how many levels of like awareness are we going into this? Right. It's like Tim Curry is Long John Silver, but it's all of the Muppets as if they were pirates, but they're still themselves. Or it's like, oh, Kermit is Bob Cratchit in A Christmas Carol, and he's doing the Kermit thing. Yeah, it's like, it's, but it's like, you, it's, yeah, whoa, I don't even. At the beginning of Great Muppet Caper, they like stop and they're like, okay, in this movie, Kermit and Fozzie are brothers, okay? And they're still Kermit and Fozzie, but in this one, they're brothers. (laughs) (laughs) I need you to stretch your disbelief for a second. Yeah, you're right, that Uh, the Muppets are the only example. I personally love when character actors or like genre actors break it and get out of it. Mm-hmm. An escape or like ascend, right? Like um, fucking Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. I would accept. I would accept Joaquin Phoenix. My first thought is like Michael Shannon. Yeah, who just played like trash people forever and now is in like Oscar nominated roles, uh, or when he played Zod in Man of Steel, and I was like, fuck yeah, Michael Shannon is an action hero. Let's do Absolutely. it. Absolutely, Michael um, Shannon. Or, um, up until the incredible. very moment quarantine started, I could have gone and see him perform improv comedy. Like Michael Shannon has really? this secret. Yeah, because um, he that's amazing. He went up through like comedy schools, but he just found it's the way he reads on screen is just as the scariest, most unstable motherfucker. Um, yeah. But he's fucking hysterical. If you if you catch him in a live show, should live Dude, comedy exist when, again? I remember when. Yeah, I remember when Trump got elected. He wrote like a an open letter, so to say, to Grandma and Grandpa, saying it's time for the urn. Like y'all shouldn't be voting ah! for people that are gonna ah! that are gonna impact our it's world. It's time for the world. urn, Grandma. And grandpa. Y'all had a good run, but it's time for the urn. Um, and also, I think Matt McConaughey is oh, frequently overlooked as a guy who like only did chick flicks yeah for like 10 years before sahara before how to lose a guy in 10 is that is how to lose a guy in 10 days that's him yes before that he's in like richard linklater movies like he's he's these small supporting characters in like indie comedies and dramas Mm -hmm. before i guess we figured out he was hot 
So we like put him and then in he all did a bunch of hot guy movies. movies. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then he did and then he did Mud and Dallas Buyers Club and Interstellar and everyone's like, "Oh." Yeah, my man did uh the movie adaptation of Killer Joe. Um, which features one of the most horrific things I've ever seen in a movie. Uh, but you're like, oh, the Lincoln lawyer did this? I, the guy? <laughs> have, I seen, have I seen Killer Joe? I don't think... I haven't. I, don't I think you would remember is. exactly what I'm talking about. And I hesitate to even describe... Because it's like I believe it's based on a play of the same name. Um, but features a moment where Matthew McConaughey... It's just the most oh, upsetting thing I've ever... Oh, I'm probably going to cut this that. out of the pod. I don't want people yeah, to you know should. about that it. Sucks. That sucks. It sucks real that bad. That sucks. <laughs> but that was like right before... He also did Bernie, which is one of my favorite movies for, uh, of last decade. Um, Isn't that the one with Jack Black? That's the one with Jack Black, for which Jack Black should have won his second Oscar... Um, after, of course, School of Rock, for which he should have won his first Oscar. Uh, but Jack Black yeah, is yeah. the kindly, almost definitely gay coroner that, like, the whole town loves. It's based on a true story. Um, and he befriends this terrible old woman, and everyone's like, I don't understand the deal with these two. And then one day she turns up dead, and, like, Matthew McConaughey is the lawyer who's, like, trying to put all this together. But he's like, the small town is, like, protecting this murderer. <laughs> Uh, because they all love him so much. Good flick if you sure, find Bernie sure. anyway. There needs to be a better list of character actors who've become leading actors. Because mm-hmm. I know it's more than like the three people I can think of right now. There's Keanu. Uh, mm. Keanu uh, for sure. Gary Oldman used to do only bad guys. Yes. Did Robin Williams do like before? Like, I mean, Robin Williams is one of the best actors ever, probably. But like, probably. There was a there was a period of time where he was only doing a very specific form of comedy. His, movies, wasn't there? his first movie is that fucking adaptation of Popeye uh, with Shelley Duvall, the Robert oh, Altman's whoa. Popeye. So then, no, he didn't. He's definitely not in that. Category. But he was on I a mean, sitcom Rock forever before that. That used that was your track true. where he was on Mork and Mindy for forever. Yeah, there was that. John Travolta had the same uh, pathway where he's on Welcome Back, Connor. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly he's in Saturday Night Fever and he's Oscar nominated and it's uh, and we moved on from George Clooney. Uh, that's a classic. Has J.K. Trajectory. Simmons ever played anybody other than J.K. Simmons? Is that J. Jonah Jameson? Yeah. Yeah. Different degrees. He's kind of, of that guy and everything he's in is just a different degree of. Because Whiplash is like the most extreme, um, but Whiplash <laughs> yeah, is essentially just a dramatic perform. I mean, he. It gives my favorite it's performance. It's Jonah Jameson without the camp. Right, without it's the Jonah hair. Jameson you shave off coach. his his <laughs> fade, um, and he and he can't. I mean, J J K Simmons as J Jonah Jameson is my number one favorite performance in any Ooh, comic book movie. Uh, it honestly is the so one. glad that they managed to kind of do to bring him back in the oh, yeah, MCU. Dude. Man, that's so exciting. I'm excited to see how they play with him in the future. I'm hoping that they keep I don't want them to do like fully like because it's I don't think that it's possible for them to do the Spider-Man working at the Daily Bugle thing with the way the current setup of the MCU. But I do want to have the current setup of of Jonas. Like with the current setup, like working at a newspaper is not the viable (laughs) work a minute job. It was right. Exactly. Have you guys seen 
Facebook.com, but like, yeah. Have you guys yeah. played the PS4 Spider Man game? I did. Like, yeah. He makes the announcement. I didn't play it, but I heard he's like about the it. Alex so Jones, Jameson basically. has been like kicked out of the Daily Bugle, and he's like the Alex Jones now. And I think that's the way to go because J. Jonah Jameson was always such a fucking counterpoint to like, is Spider Man really a hero? Like, he would always a fucking menace. be that guy, that conspiracy theorist. I think if they just go with that. That'd be great. I think that's a great idea. Honestly, I want. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a fantastic. Idea. And I want, like, I want, I want Peter to like run into him at events and be like, "I mean, come on, man," because that's all. <laughs> that's right. All that I that can see. very What's that actor's name. I just lost his name. J.K. Simmons. Tom Holland. Tom Holland. Tom Holland. All, right. all I can see Tom Holland doing is being like, "Well, come on, man. It's not. Oh, come on. That's not, not very really nice, Mister Spider-Man. So he's so gentle and kind. Such a, I such a sweet. I love man. him. He is." Forever and always, the best Spider-Man. We must protect him. We must protect, we must protect, sweet protect him at all times. Without Tom Holland, we would not have Spider-Man the way it is right now. He's so good. In several ways. Yeah, I mean, so he good. he rules. He unequivocally uh, rules. I think that is the brilliant stroke of those Spider-Man movies is just how well cast that little ensemble is. Perfect. It's so like I just want a bunch of movies about the science club friends going on little adventures, and then Spider-Man shows up. Like that's all I want from those movies. Yeah, I, sure. the, the only other thing that I want, and I I feel it in my bones. I don't know if it's gonna happen sooner or later. The only other thing I want, and I know we're gonna get it at some point, is the fucking Sinister Six movie oh, with Tom man. Holland Spider-Man. We're gonna Ugh. get it. We're so like they it. set up like four people in the first movie. Well, we've got Scorpion, we've got Vulture, we've got Mysterio. We've got um, so that's, Shocker. Do we, have, do we have Mysterio? Hold on. Mysterio. No, sorry, not Mysterio. I was thinking Electro. I was thinking yeah. Electro. And well, I we don't have know Shocker. Why was that. We but have Shocker. Dead. So, no, so there's another Shocker. Shocker. They do two Shockers in that movie. And he survives. Yep. It's a uh, Bokeem Woodbine from uh, TV's yep. Fargo. There's and, he's, and he's going to be in the Halo show. He's going to be the lead antagonist in the Halo show. Oh, my God. He's going to play a Spartan. Yeah, also, uh, what's the guy? Uh, the, the the guy that the, I can't think of his, either his real name or his supervillain name. The guy that – the chameleon. Uh, yeah, chameleon. Lizard? Victor? No, not Wait, the lizard. No. Chameleon. Chameleon is his name. Yes. It is uh, the – Yeah, the... lizard is Kurt Connors, but uh, chameleon, the guy that can change his face – it's the guy that drives the bus has the same name as the as mm. him like in the comics. Mm. So people were like, was he actually on board with Mysterio? That's another thing that could have just been a reference. They do a lot of weird stuff with the names. They they've been taking a, like, oh they yeah with MCU a lot, but Spider Man they've been really just like they're like changing stuff. Because Spider Man's like, little best MJ. friend has the name of the Hobgoblin. Like his name is Ned Leeds, who is the Hobgoblin's alter ego. Um, and I mostly, I don't think that's, a, like, their plan. I think they put those in there for all the free publicity you get by, like, Easter egg videos. We've talked about this before. Uh, oh, but yeah. Marvel even, like, almost Flash doesn't even Thompson need to advertise. Marvel just needs to release press releases that say, like, this person's name is this name. And then everyone will do all the promotion for you. <laughs> it's all you need to do. Uh, yeah, they don't need to do anything anymore. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. chameleon, chameleon. Yeah. yeah, the dude that's Dimitri, the dude that's Dimitri. like super pissed to have to be driving him around. Dimitri. Yeah, yeah. That's one. I, that's a that's a bit of a stretch. Um, I I'm just waiting for us to get the goblin, the good old green goblin. I'm, I'm so mad that we don't have. I'm so mad we don't have the Osborne family yet. 
Like, why the fuck? I, it's take your time. We have two movies uh, well, and there's no Well, here's Osborne? the thing. Here's the I thing. We already did it two times. Have the rights for it. We've already done it two times. So they're like, let's do Vulture. Something we've never done before. Let's do Mysterio, who, like, is my favorite Spider-Man villain. It's like, cool, let's do that. And then we can work our way back to J. Jonah Jameson and Osborn. These, like, territories we've covered before. You know what I mean? I think it's also smart because I think also, uh, uh, I mean, for a Sinister Six, which they're totally going to build up to, (laughs) their big flaw in the past, aside from making uh, bad movies, is... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you read my uh, mind. Those Arfy Garfy movies are pretty fucking terrible. First of all, the fact that they started with the lizard as their main antagonist in the first very strange move. Strange move. Going straight for like Osborne. I think if you're gonna do Sinister Six in regards to like a cinematic reveal of the Sinister Six, I think it's actually such a smart move to go in like the opposite direction. To like build up to the green goblin and him being like and then once the green goblin's been established or you know Os- or oscorp has been established then compile the sinister six because it's like it's like it's like starting by introducing thanos and then you get to know all of his other side characters it's like no it doesn't work yeah like with a cinematic reveal of it you want to like give little hints and like piece up to it i really that. want peter to meet Norm Norman, which one's the young one? That's uh, Harry. Harry, I want Peter to meet Harry in college, and yeah. I want them to both have a class with Professor Octa- uh, Octavius. Octavius. Otto Octavius. Yes, I and I also... want that movie with Otto Octavius in it to not sh- not have Doctor. He's Ock just in it. he's not Doctor Plus Octopus. He's just a he's, professor. He's, he's just a yeah. guy. And save that for later down the line. Sure. Yeah. I also, if they are going to do Oc, Doc Ock, I mean, I know it's not technically the same universe, but like the Doc Ock from Into the Spider Verse is She's the so single, great, single greatest cool iteration of Doc Ock I have ever seen. And it's so easy. Down you just get Catherine Hahn to play her live action as well. Like it's that. It's that easy. It's that simple. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Oh, we also have Prowler already established in. Yes. Oh, that's true. Oh, gloves. Speaking of Donald Glover, <laughs> Dong Glover. I, I do want, I do want him to go full Prowler. I don't know if he'd do it, but I want it. Oh, he would do it. He you would do so? it. His love for Spider-Man, absolutely. You he think would he would do, do, do the Prowler though? Also, he would do if they Prowler, do Prowler if, though, I bet he would do Prowler, but he would have conditions, and the conditions would be that Miles Morales is in the movie. Sure. That's what I was about to say. Who would be Miles Morales? Oh, dude, have you heard the theory that because Spider-Man's identity has been exposed, right, uh-huh. that yeah. Peter's going to take a break and going to be defended in court by fucking Daredevil? Daredevil would be cool. Would... She-Hulk would be cool. She-Hulk was the other theory ever. And heard. in his stead, in his stead, fucking Miles is going to become Spider-Man. I mean, that'd be cool. That would be gnarly. That would be so sick. And then you'd have Miles and Peter together working as avenging Spider-Men instead of just a uh, Spider-Man. Cool, cool, I, cool. I, oh, I, ooh. Yeah, I'm also just so curious because I also know Sony's going to do some stupid shit that I'm probably going to like anyway uh, where they're like, we're going to – because they're already doing Spider-Verse 2. I know they're going to try and do a crossover live action and they're going to try and get Holland into their Spider-Universe. I don't know how they're going to handle Vulture is in, like, the Venomverse. He's in Morbius. And, like, oh, it's just, it's like, it's like, 
how are you what is what's the what are the lines of consistency i think it's a i think it's a publicity stunt i think sony saying no more spider-man movies in the marvel universe was a way to garner more interest from far for for far from home because far from home was coming soon when that all happened or no far from home was about to release on digital when that happened and so like digital sales went whoop because they brought it up also no Marvel walked walked away from the table, and like if it if it did actually happen, and Marvel walked away, that was them going, "Watch, you want to take this away? Watch with all they all say about this." And yeah, so they no walked away and then win. published the there's thing. There's no way you that. win. Yeah, so I think what's going to happen is we're going to continue to see Sony being like, "Sure, fine, we'll put up our end of the money if you put up your end of the money, and it's fine." Because what Marvel was contesting was like, "We're funding these, and you're getting all the profits." And if you want profits, you should fund them some. Um, because Marvel was like, we want more than 10% or 20% of the income or whatever. They were like, we want 50-50 because we've been funding it like 80-20. Yeah. So I think Sony yeah, will be uh, like, yeah, sure, fine. Okay, you guys can make more money from it. I just – the other and thing, we'll and I can't, I can't help but feel like – especially you – know, yes, we know that Feige has like complete control over all this stuff. But Sony does have their little fingers in, in it. You know, they, they got their hands stuck in it. And it, yeah. I can't help but – feel like i can sense sony's presence in the spider-man movies because and i can't put my finger on it they're still amazing movies and they're still mcu quality movies but there's something about them that feels like tainted like they're not <laughs> there's, there's something about them that i'm like what's missing something feels like it's missed like like i get that they're also like the young it's like young spider-man it's the youngest one of the avengers but there's something some tone-wise that feels slightly off and i can't put my finger on it i think it's a lack of villains and and our and our lack of like the core tent pole tenants of spider-man we don't really have mary jane yet and if we do it hasn't been like made completely clear that this is the mary jane we're going to get we don't have any inkling of this i feel like well, we know that she's I, you know, Mary I'm Jane, thinking of but... first movie. I'm thinking of first movie still. But yeah, after second movie, for sure. Um, there's, the, the, I think it's like he's got more elements to him that we haven't seen. And I've, I've, I don't know if I'm asserting something in your opinion, but like to me, it does feel like something's missing. But it feels like we don't have Oscorp on the on a building on the horizon. We don't have. We it don't it have, really like, just depends what they're that... doing with the new Avengers Tower. If that new Avengers Tower that we saw at the end of uh, Far From Home, if it's either the Baxter if the Baxter Building for Fantastic Four or the Oscorp Building, we don't know. It's got to be one of those two. Yep, and right, I would so... love for the Fantastic Four to show up in the next Spider Man. Woo! That would because that would be rad. That would be rad. You do is Spider Man going to college and his professor being Reed Richards? Down. Either oh, way. that would like, be so gnarly. Oh damn. You're so oh, good. damn. Oh damn. I didn't Oh damn. breaking my brain right now. Wow. Dude, well, this is Professor Did Richards and it's John Krasinski. Oh, and you can do the storyline where Spider Man is part of the future foundation. Yes. Alright, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Glad we sorted this out. This is, of course, Advanced Community Studies. 
the podcast where we watch the American television show Community. I am one of your hosts, TV's Kevin Lanigan. I didn't uh, have a quote packed in my uh, back pocket for this one. Uh, but I heard this deleted scenes are the scenes and the scenes are the deleted scenes. My name is Jace, as always, because I haven't changed it again yet. And uh, my pronouns. This still could, you don't know. I might watch out. Uh, I use they them pronouns and I want I want that 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 one sheet of paper that he did that like spider web uh net thing. I want that blown up in a poster on my wall not a quote it's just a desire oh man and i am caleb the third one <laughs> um i don't have a quote for this either we just came off of a very lengthy discussion so we weren't so we did i didn't left. have my notes i didn't have time to just like sit and prepare because we were talking about D D oh. for a hundred years um which was yeah, great we, it was fun yeah, we, we just, loved it but also <laughs> i got a quote i got a quote i mean come on I mean, come on, Charlie Kaufman. Some of us got work in the morning. Damn. Damn. <laughs> oh, fuck me, dude. I got to tell you, this episode comes out in 2010. High school Kevin has never fucking heard of Charlie Kaufman. So a lot of this, uh, this oh, was this was like this was an episode that fucking appreciated as the further I went through film school. Every year mm-hmm. of my four year film school degree, this episode just started fucking climbing the community rankings from how much it reminded me of my own college experience. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. Whoa, man. Whoa. I love Boy, it. Uh, so yeah, this is a this is a little one-off episode. We're giving an episode its own little solo spotlight, and we've already killed twenty minutes talking about fucking Spider-Man. So excellent work. We will not be hurting for time. Um, season two, <laughs> episode five, Messianic <laughs> Myths and Ancient Peoples, directed by Tristram Shapiro, written by Andrew Guest, uh, Shirley hires Abed to uh, make a commercial for her church and it spirals into this incredibly self-important movie where Abed is Jesus. At the same time, uh, Pierce (laughs) is rebelling with a group of his fellow olds uh, and uh, Jeff uh, and Britta again assume the mom and dad role uh, for this little group. What say you both? We knock out our discussion of the Pierce storyline so we can just, like, really hone in on this Abed and Shirley storyline. Does that amenable to the I'm both of you? certainly for it. Yeah, uh, I like that. This is a, a cute, funny little plot line. I love Jeff is- as the... Da- I love this reverse, like, leave it to Beaver uh, plot <laughs> where it's, like, the old guy who's rebelling with the tough guys. Uh, Jeff with the newspaper is very, very funny. Leonard? You know I hate him. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good little plot. It's a oh boy. When is the? I mean, this is one of the last times we get a regular ass Pierce plot line, right? Yeah, I think. Yeah. We're two well, episodes from the beginning of his villain. I'm arc. not gonna pretend I have the foresight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for a while, he's gonna be the villain, and then by the time you get to season three, they're just so fucking sick of Chevy Chase that they don't give him storylines. Um, so this this is almost like a swan song for Pierce Hawthorne, regular character on the TV show community. Hmm, I did not think about it like that, but like, you're right. 
Well, I honestly, I like that we get to know a lot of the older members of uh, Greendale. Like, I think that's that's the charm of this for me. And also, just like the reverse puberty kind of theme. <laughs> like you said, it was like a reverse Leaver to Beaver. It's like they're so old, and now they're just like, what are they going to do? Um, they steal the car. They go a solid two miles per hour <laughs> into that light post. Like, just a thrilling chase scene. They're screaming, ah! And then they cut to the car, barely move in. Classic cut. If uh, you get um, caught, just say it's your 90th birthday. Suddenly, it's adorable. <laughs> it's pretty It's pretty wild. Pretty pretty rowdy stuff. Yeah, it's a fun It's a fun B-plot. It's, it's what you need a B-plot to do, all right? You gotta cut away yeah. from the A so you can have story development between scenes. You gotta cut away to some fucking LARFs. And a uh, pretty good way Larfs. to do that is uh, I think Pierce. Kevin had a stroke while saying laughs, and a good, a good little way to do that. It's like, what the fuck is that? Is, then, okay. uh, Pier- oh, I'm sorry. Am I saying the word larfs weird? Is that is that <laughs> larfs? Um, Not at all. Did you know that when 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 the dean? This is our this is our community. Welcome to Caleb's community fun fact corner. Uh, <laughs> When the group of students around Pierce and Leonard is caught playing poker by the Dean, Pierce fakes an Alzheimer's affliction. He looks at a card and murmurs, Veronica, Veronica. This is a t- Veronica is the title of a 1989 song by Elvis Costello and Paul McCartney about an old lady suffering from Alzheimer's. Oh, wow. Nice little Easter egg. I enjoy that. That's a little. That adds an element to it. Too. Who knows? You enjoyed it. If it's intentional. Eyes so fucking hard. I don't. <laughs> With these kinds of Easter eggs, I usually just think they're, like, coincidental, or it's like, I needed a name for this character, but I just know, I'm picturing in my head some, like, Paul Simon fucking super fan, just, like, waiting to bust this one out, and then he's like, oh, to the wiki! Uh... (laughs) This is from the... I gotta go! Uh, I'm finally needed! (laughs) Oh my god! Just like reclining back on his chair, like falls backwards, feet flying in the air. Yeah. And I, I say that full well knowing that I have moments exactly like that, where my weird, dumb, ephemeral knowledge is like suddenly relevant. Um, I, I am dragging my own ass. You know what I mean? But uh, let's. What's the? But uh, it's nice. I would also. So here's my spicy take on this episode i would consider this episode not just to be abed's episode if anything this might be one of shirley's biggest episodes or sure and really sure. Do- yeah, all right we're done with the pierce plotline it's cute um so <laughs> even more so than pierce of the original greendale seven Shirley is the one that this show most consistently fails to give juicy plot lines to yeah, sure. and Yvette Nicole Brown is always good, and every time they give her uh, a line, she slays. She kills it a hundred percent of the time. I but, always enjoy her performance. But always, it's it's this consistent reiteration throughout the show that like they just can't find the right juicy plotline for her. You know, we're a couple episodes away from the beginning of her pregnancy storyline. Um, she gets back with her ex-husband. And it's not that there's not interesting things there, but it's not interesting in the same way that Troy and Abed or Jeff or Britta or Annie gets to be consistently interesting or the Dean. 
uh, as we uh, his role increases and increases. But this episode dives so well into the full, like, psychology of this character. Like, mm-hmm. we expand on her consistent need to play the victim card, the the her inherent, like, defensiveness and, and uh, kind of hypocrisy. And I don't say all these things as, like, a negative. These are, like, very interesting facets of Shirley Bennett as a character. It actually feels like a character struggling with not her religion, but struggling with explaining why she's religious and the per- the public perception of her mm, beliefs. Yeah. And and that is very interesting. I would also argue that most of this season is a continuation of this storyline for Shirley because like there is strong um, maybe not written uh, motivation, but definite like societal canonization of like marriage mm-hmm. and religion in the black community, and that like divorce is also something that's was strongly contested throughout the different facets of religion. And so, like, she's mm-hmm. not divorced, she's taken her ring off but not by her choice they've also clarified that her husband asked for it back the and then like she gets pregnant and it's unsure whose it is but then you see her like owning all of these situations right and i feel like this episode kicks off shirley's like in quote in in quotations because this is gonna sound cheesy shirley's like reckoning with the group this is her mm-hmm. like. Oh, I thought you were about to say her come to Jesus moment. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no. Although I would. Although, uh, <laughs> but like you see her confront um, people, literally confronting her religiousness by creating a by acting like God. You see people confront her getting back with her husband, and what her what she believes is forgiveness. You see people confront her owning a mistake that may be life that is going to be life changing like i don't know i think shirley in season two has a lot happening for because of this episode yeah i think that's actually a really profound way of looking at the development that we get from this which is wild because like at face value this is like the abed storyline like we get you know this idea of just abed getting into the whole like self-righteous auteur mindset which is like we've seen flashes of but to see him be like i am the movie everything i do is the movie it's exciting to look at it through a, a shirley frame because i love shirley damn it i it's want like, more this episode's like one of the only times that sh- that abed literally takes something and shoves it up its own ass <laughs> like jeff accuses him of doing that but this episode is perhaps the purest version of that where the whole episode, you're like, why the fuck is any of this happening? Might I also add, and this is maybe jumping to the end too early, but when Abed looks at Shirley and says, you humble me, that shit fucking gets me every time. Yeah. It's like, damn, that's an understanding. Because like that's something that's not really shared lightly between people, whether you're religious or not. Humbling somebody and admitting that somebody humbles you. Actually, that's a pet peeve of mine is when people are like, well, I'm so humbled. It's like, no, you're you're not. That's not what that means. When people are like, they get in a war and they're like, wow, I'm so humbled. It's like, this is the exact opposite of humbling. <laughs> right. This is an honorific. But Abed means it, like, genuinely. Like, no, he means that shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. 
It is like you ground me. You, you remind me use of, of who this I am. Term. Yeah. You yeah. you remind me that we have to be like people on the planet Earth, and as much as I am the whimsical Abed, like we do have to uh, uh, remain to respect other people. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And though you might not agree with someone's beliefs, like Abed finds this incredible inroad in his own very bizarre way to understand his friend's faith better. He does not convert and become a Christian, but this moment where he finds, like, I used to think that Jesus just walked on water and told people not to get abortions, but now I see that it's so much more than that. It's like this, um, (laughs) you know, it's called The Greatest Story Ever Told. I mean, it's called that by a movie of that title uh, that was produced during the uh, very Jesus era of Hollywood where we're making like Ben Hur. The height, the height of evangelical Hollywood. Yeah, when we're making the fucking Ten Commandments, we're also making the greatest story ever told. So, like, anytime you parrot that around, just know that, like, a movie studio invented that. It's, it, but he, it, these lenses through which we can understand each other and, and understand where someone is coming, that is sort of the power of fiction. Uh, is it not Mm -hmm. like our ability to empathize with something that we know is not real or like i'm so fascinated by like dungeons and dragons podcasts where i can become enveloped in the story of not only like a fictional character but a fictional character who's being played by someone who's like commentary i'm listening to like (laughs) i am listening to justin mcelroy but i am becoming enveloped in the story of taco the wizard who has three removed (laughs) layers (laughs) of being fictional or or albie from rude tales of magic or like any of these uh D &D characters that i've become enamored with uh through these like eight steps of removed fiction kevin's because we're part of a community it's the same reason hold on hold on i gotta go for the bit i gotta go for the bit i gotta go for the bit it's the same reason i can grab this pencil say its name is steve and when i go like this (laughs) oh my god it bent (laughs) (laughs) that is the most bizarre thing i've ever seen that is a bent pencil please take a picture of this so kevin can put this on the twitter please i'm so confused i was so ready to be there with that bit Oh, oh, I'm so broken. He's ready for the reaction method. <laughs> well, anyway, it's the same reason that we can grab a pencil, name it Steve, and then go like this. Snap. And part Abed of goes, you dies. Uh. <laughs> a small part of you dies. Yeah, you're. that's it. That's it right there. I can, I, to tell you, and I don't know, Jace, if you've experienced the Adventure Zone as I have and as Kevin has. I but, know of it. I actually. Actually, haven't oh. listened to it yet, but I've been meaning to because I've heard only great things about that it. first I season. Finished the, I finished the the. It wasn't even the finale. Finale. It was. Have you finished? Have you finished it at least once, Kevin? I've finished I Balance. Spoil. I haven't finished either of the okay. subsequent arcs, but that's fine. That's fine. So at the end also, of Balance, I haven't seen any of it. Right. I won't spoil anything. I just didn't know. I, I didn't know if anybody was going to be able to relate to this Not at sure. all. At the end of Balance, there's like a three-episode or two-episode finale, and the first one starts with and ends with the same theme, the same like Greek chorus of like Griffin introducing the action and then leaving it and then giving you like the, the episode and then wrapping up the action with the same narrator. Like if you put those two things together, it's one yes. speech. But he inter- he juxtaposes the story in the middle of it. And I remember 
the end of that episode and the music rising and like it playing and him like delivering the final line as I pulled into my house and rewinding it and listening to it like six times in a row and just fucking sobbing. Cause I was like, I've listened to this thing for four years. Right. And like, these are real characters to me. And then even furthermore, when I went to Chicago and saw my brother, my brother and me live and their dad opened the show i was like oh my god it's merle that what i right. didn't go oh look it's you know it's not dad Mac. it's, it's not, not clint, clint McElroy. Yeah. i was like no that's merle that means merle and taco and magnus are all in the same room like my right we relate to those stories 100 the you know okay anyone that doesn't want spoilers for the first season of the adventure zone hit that skip 15 mark on your podcast player but that i can I'm become my headphones off. emotionally enraptured by someone finding the ingredients for a taco is just oh my god his taco truck fucking like, i lost my mind I like, I can't hear anything, like, but i'm watching the most wild reactions i've ever seen in my life and i'm so fascinated but i will not listen you can put them you can put them on you can put them on I'm safe to put them. Yeah, back you can put them up. Okay. Um, I just, Ooh, I just had to. to I, I suddenly became enraptured by the concept of fiction, which I haven't gotten this like worked up about it in some time. Uh, but this yes. episode highlights it so <laughs> strongly. This is Kevin. Yeah, I had the same Nerd. reaction. Kevin, I had the same reaction to the moment you just described. No spoilers. Exactly. As El- as Elroy Potashnik had when he found out they got to terabytes. I went, damn it, they did it. The craziest the bastards, bastards did, did it. it. <laughs> this is, this is Adventure Zone, right? Is that what yeah, it's yeah. the Adventure Zone. Yeah. Yeah, it's and incredible. this is a podcast, right? Correct. Yeah. Damn. It's a D&D podcast. And furthermore, it was so popular. I see your poster behind you of the Adventure I Zone. I do have a poster behind They turned into a graphic novel, didn't they? Several. Yeah, yeah. and I have two of them signed by them. <laughs> Wow. So do they have every episode turned into a graphic novel? Every arc. Um, I have here... do every arc. um, What is that? For the Adventure Zone, this is a present my brother got me. Uh, This is several images from their zine that they created, um, like, (laughs) blown up into poster form. (laughs) I like that, Caleb. Uh, (laughs) That's what it was called, the Adventure Zine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Good shit. Yeah. Anyway, oh, we, just, we just had a little fun. <laughs> we had a McElroy tangent there. It was bound to happen one day. Probably. It was bound to happen. Jace, I can, I can, uh, I can uh, encourage. What? What's the word I'm trying to say right now? I can suggest nothing more highly. What is the word I'm looking for? Not suggest. Yeah. No, that's. I mean, recommend. Recommend. Or, yeah. I can recommend nothing more highly than Absol- the than the what? balance campaign of adventure how, zone how how are, how long are these episodes and how many are there there's a- there are 69 episodes they're all about an hour long the last two for sure are two hours and three hours yeah. but those the, are like the big finale you gotta fucking blow it yeah, yeah like straight up in episode 16 i know it's 69 because griffin makes a joke about nice. it being the sex number um, he goes, nice, nice, nice. Um, he, but he straight up says, like, there was no way for us to cut this off. So it's three hours. Have fun. Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. It's just three hours of, of magic. But, yeah, every episode is about an fin- hour long. And they finish their campaign. Yeah, they finished that campaign, like, 2016. Yeah, they finished well, it, yeah, like, right around the time I moved to 20, New York. 12? Yeah. 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 They, they, <sighs> they started it. Oh, yeah, it's deep. It was every other week, and they got to 70 episodes. God, I'm just trying to, like, 
I'm just trying to catch up on Marvel comic books, and now you give me a take your time. Take your time. It's not going anywhere. It's not going nowhere. It's fine. We're stuck in quarantine still. Exactly. We're stuck in quarantine because this nation is terrible. We're we're stuck in quarantine, and like everyone's worried about this point coming up in a few months where there's not really going to be much in the way of new TV or movies. I, for one, am kind of thrilled about it because now I have a chance to catch up on some of this shit that I've been behind yeah. on for. Doesn't everyone have 400 unwatched TV shows, movies, video games? Like, this is your chance to get to take something <laughs> off that pile. And, and just... Oh my God, did you see Denzel Washington's tweet this week? No. No. He was like, y'all may be beating yourself up because you never wrote that, you didn't write that book or you didn't, you know, get in shape or you didn't write that play oh, on I quarantine. But good news, quarantine's not over. So yeah, keep exactly. <laughs> no, but he, he says it. He says yeah. the truth, that Denzel Washington. As I spoke about a little bit before, since we're enraptured by the concept of fiction right now, this, this Abed, uh, <laughs> persona that he dons in this episode the uh christ-like self-important filmmaker is one that i am all too familiar with in like a personal space uh these these student level filmmakers who believe themselves like the next great storyteller and have all the self-importance of the next great storyteller whereas if you actually talk to the directors you admire and think are remarkable storytellers they are regular ass people and they are generally very mm -hmm. very humble sometimes they'll brag like sometimes spike lee will say like do the right thing is as relevant today as it was 31 years ago and i'm like you know what spike lee you're right <laughs> you can say that <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you know, uh you nailed it <laughs> good job bud yeah but, it's like, true there's only a few like abed types in film because right? they don't get very like far. Dave, because we have to like exist. Like David Fincher, with these <laughs> like David Fincher, maybe. But yeah, and Fincher, you know, has his own host of issues. But like, you listen to David Fincher talk, he's really just like a regular guy. He has his things yeah. that he likes. You know, there's the legendary like amount of take. Like they did the first scene of the Social Network a hundred times or whatever that quote is. Yeah, um, yeah. But there are also scenes in the social network that they did two takes. Like it's not, it's not as if yeah. he's like oh, that man. every single shot of every single scene. Yeah, Donald Glover's recounting of no, never. You, it would take years, and well, it already takes years in some cases. Yeah, but Donald Donald Glover's recounting of working with Ridley Scott on The Martian. Yeah. Where he's like, every other set I've been on, you do everything a couple of times to make sure you get the right one or parts of the right one in each take. And, like, I woke up from a couch in this scene and dumped bad coffee into a tr bagless trash can and then stood up in a hurry and actually fell over and ate shit and just assumed we'd do the scene again. And Ridley was like, nope, we're good, moving on. He's like, no, wait, I fell. <laughs> and, like, wait, that was it. Which movie is this? The, the Martian? Martian? Donald Glover's like a like a scientist, and he gets woken I still up and like have it. Oh yes, that one. He oh sips, my god! And when he, yeah, he sips cold coffee and dumps, he like spits it. When he slips and falls, it's real. Yeah, and he, he was just like, "We'll do that again." And Ridley was down. like, "Nah, we're done." There <laughs> are like, directors like Clint Eastwood is notoriously <laughs> like that, a one and done. And sometimes it really works for his movies; they feel very immediate. And then sometimes you're like, "Dog," like your actor flubbed their line and started again and you just like left it in the fucking movie. <laughs> you just like, you didn't want to get mean, that one one more 
time. Maybe not even just like a safety. Like just like you get two takes of anything, Clint. Like you gotta let let Bradley do a second take because he's not holding that baby very well. It looks I real mean, fake. Do it again. Screw Clint Eastwood anyway, but like, damn. Well, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, screw Clint Eastwood. He's made some good flicks. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Admitting defeat. Fine. Okay. If I have yeah, to girl. agree with you, I will. You know, like, Unforgiven's pretty good. Joy. Jersey Boys sucks. So, like, you know, trade-offs. <laughs> trade-offs. Yeah, like, his dramas are, are pretty good, but his musicals suck. <laughs> I cannot fucking Jeez. believe Clint Eastwood even... did Jersey Boys. That makes no sense <laughs> to me. Fucking... Because it, was his favorite, it was because it was his favorite play to go see as a kid. That's literally the only possible explanation for that. Jersey Boys wasn't around when he was Jersey a kid. Boys Jersey Boys is about Boys Frankie Valli. Temporary. <laughs> and Clint it's Eastwood is like older than <laughs> Okay, sorry. God damn. I'm sorry. I don't, watch, I don't go to the theater that often. Philistine. Y'all were like, fuck you. Okay, maybe. It was oh, it's a real secret. life Pharisee. Hey, bitch, why don't you go back to your temple? That is the funniest yeah. line in the entire episode. I don't know who hey, she bitch, is. She fucking kills me. Uh, this episode so also funny. features, speaking of Clint Eastwood, this episode features a young Paul Walter Hauser as just like one of the students who's like, Abed's doing something in the cafeteria. Um, and now that guy is like one of the hottest character actors uh, uh, working today. What else has he done? He did I, Tanya, um, Black Klansman. He was Richard Jewell in the movie Richard Jewell. Uh, and he was also in Duff Five Bloods. Uh, so he's he's working. My man, Paul, yeah. oh, he man. works. I don't know if Look. I've seen anything this guy's in. Great including actor. Including all the things you just listed. Great because... actor. I, Tanya, I've when seen you... like five times. Rules. Black Landsman, rules. Defy Bloods, rules. Richard Jewell, admittedly, I did not see. Wait, he's in a. There's a move. There's a Cruella movie coming out next year with Emma Stone as Cruella Deville. Oh, <laughs> Disney, that's needs gonna to scratch it. That's gonna scratch itches. I didn't think I had. That's what I'm uh, saying. I'm afraid. I don't know. I just, um, Jace is not excited about this. Yo, I'm I, so tired of Disney doing this thing where they're like, we're gonna take. It's like yeah. I mean, I I hate it happened, and then Disney was like, "We're gonna do everything just shy of Wicked, where we tell the story from." They did the marvelous Mister Oz or whatever that fucking movie was called. Then they did Maleficent, which I still don't know if it's come out or not because I feel like time is a lie. Maleficent came out, and so did Maleficent Two: Mistress of (laughs) Evil. Uh, Thank you. Wait, hold on. There's a sequel. The first one came out. So Maleficent, the first Maleficent pretty much started this whole bullshit because that movie comes out and is a (laughs) huge wicked started it and it should have stopped wicked Wicked did start i'm talking about disney specifically they did the maleficent movie and that shit fucking shoots off because disney had done other live action remakes they did a live action jungle book in like the 90s they did like it's not the first yeah with uh, bruce lee's kid they did a live action 101 dalmatians Oh, with yeah, with fucking Jeff that. Daniels and uh, uh, Glenn Close as Cruella DeVille. That was fire. That Catch was those good. puppies. And so mm-hmm. they did that and they were off and on. Some of them were hits. Uh, but then Maleficent is like a huge hit and they just start spitting these fuckers out. And Wicked is like the progenitor of that. But right. Disney specifically oh, like decided this is our <laughs> business model going forward is like Marvel, Star Wars, uh, and live action Disney remakes. Um, it's just like 
it's their fault. But if you want me to watch a Cruella movie, Emma Stone as Cruella is not bad. You could do way worse. I, I, I do. I do like Emma Stone. I, I and it's directed I by the guy who directed I Tanya. So like, which is like a, up. It's a movie. Don't Craig Gillespie is doing Cruella. Yes, he is, dude. He coming off Oscar noms doing Cruella. I right, Craig. All right, Craig. That's not saying much, though, right? Because Guy Ritchie did fucking Aladdin, so... <laughs> they Guy could, Ritchie did Aladdin. Some, could, Disney could completely... Not, not to pull them. us back to cats anymore. Yeah. But if there's one thing we've learned, it's completely possible for someone to make an amazing movie and then turn around, try and make money, and make a complete trash fire. Well, Tom sure. Hooper is a uh, charlatan. He, uh, <laughs> Tom Hooper directed the King's Speech, which like, that's mm-hmm. a solid movie. That's a four out of five. You put on the King's Speech. I ain't mad. You know, I'm watching the King's Speech. Then he put out Les Mis, which is an abomination. Uh, it's then he put out, yeah. then he put out the Danish girl, uh, which, okay. uh, is I think illegal. I think the Danish girl is a is a crime. And then he put out uh, Cats, which is, I mean, just a remarkable piece of work. So if we all haven't figured out that this guy's a fucking hack at this point. <laughs> <laughs> just fucking coming for this man's fucking dignity. Tom Hooper's a rich work. Oscar winner. I if I want to call him why. a hack, I fucking can yeah. What oh it's no, worth, I'm hurting this... so badly right now. For what it's worth, this Cruella cast fucking rocks. Slaps, though, right? Emma Stone, Jamie Demetrio, who, have you seen Fleabag? Oh, mm-hmm. yes. Love Jamie Demetrio's the, the guy that she dates with the, his bottom teeth are messed, or his teeth are messed the up. The big She doesn't guy? say anything rat, about it. Yeah, that guy. That yeah. guy, he's cool. Um, <laughs> Mark Strong. Rules. Yep. Emma, Emma Thompson? Fuck oh, yeah! So, I Paul Walter Hauser. Yep. Um, Emily Beecham, who is from I just had her pulled up. Sorry, hang on. Emily Beecham, who has done uh, Hail Caesar and Damn. yeah, 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 and then uh, fucking Kirby Howell Baptiste. Shit. So, yeah. Fuck. Yeah, from good, from Good Place yeah. and Barry and Love. Oh my god. She's the she's the 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 black woman in the in the class and Barry if you've watched Barry. She's the Australian black woman on uh, The Good Place. Oh, oh I she... love her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And fucking Joel Fry. Damn. Damn Cruella. Damn Joel Craig. Fry was the Joel Fry was the 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 dude that was trying to eschew yeah, the peace between Kalish. <laughs> Who them dogs though? Yo, it's a prequel though. That's the other thing. This is a prequel. Oh. Cruella's a oh, Never mind. My sure excitement's in the toilet. Never mind. Never mind. I ain't seeing no fucking Cruella Deville prequel. Aren't they all prequels though? Aren't they all like here's the backstory? Not. I mean, like the Lion King Aladdin, wasn't. Lion Aladdin was Jungle Book just straight up. Dude, yeah, exactly. Remakes. Maleficent. This is more in the strain of Maleficent, which is like a prequel, right? Maleficent wasn't. A sequel to Sleeping Beauty, was it? Sure, no, it wasn't. No, well, they're all like uh, the live action, but I guess this is the oh, slightly like more a original of one. The same story from a different perspective. I like, guess that's I why know. it's called Cruella seen... instead of 101 Dalmatians. Yeah, and I would also put Maleficent as. I would think of Maleficent better than. The movie that's the Snow White prequel, technically, right? Maleficent, Sleeping Beauty, Sleeping Beauty. Okay, better than the Snow White prequel, Snow White and the Huntsman. 
which like no one remembers is a fucking movie that got a sequel. <laughs> got a sequel. Got a and sequel. dog. Oh, there's two I, of those movies. I so Huntsman comes out. Snow White and the Huntsman, right? Snow White is like she got a sword. The Huntsman is Chris Hemsworth, like right post Thor, but like pre Avengers. So you could still get Chris Hemsworth to do like your weird Snow White movie <laughs> to do dumb shit. Yeah. And and Charlize Theron is the evil queen. Uh, fucking kills Ian it McShane. for no reason. Ian McShane is in this fucking movie. He is a dwarf. He is one of the dwarves. So you do all that business. You need to make a sequel. But the Kristen Stewart has an affair with the director. Narrative. Like, it's bad It's bad juju. Um, so you throw that out and you say, well, Frozen was a big hit, right? And so you bring in Jessica Chastain and Emily Blunt to do a Frozen. You just add some Frozen on your Snow White movie. You you got Emily Blunt playing the fucking Ice Queen uh, and Jessica Chastain, who uh, is not dissimilar to Anna from Frozen. And you, you just put that movie out. Now, no one saw it, but their idea was, let's do us a little Frozen. Anyway, sorry. That's and Snow- everyone's idea was like, Chris Hemsworth can swing an axe, right? <laughs> and that's, that's Huntsman Winter's War <laughs> that for it. anyone that wants to <laughs> check out can the I just sequel. Say- I'm a big fan that we've gone down like a cinema rabbit hole in this episode since we've been talking about like cinema in Abed. In Abed. Um, yes. Are y'all, I just, this is a curse. I'm just curious. Are y'all familiar with Charlie Kaufman? Do y'all know Charlie Kaufman? I, do. I know, I know of, and I've seen being John Malkovich. Okay. I, I, this was it's not been like a, a scene being John Malkovich. This was but, not one of those like name three of their albums conversations. I was just legitimately curious how much like uh, Charlie Kaufman permeated to the. T- yeah, it's not deep. It's not deep. Wait, sure. Charlie Kaufman uh, is that the one? No, I'm thinking of Andy Kaufman. Very different person. Very different guy. So Charlie Kaufman, yeah, he starts yeah, out different. as a screenwriter, and he is. That's what I thought first, though, Jason. He is one of yeah. the few people to make a name for themselves as a screenwriter a film screenwriter which is so rare it's like charlie kaufman and shane black (laughs) very few other people can like make a definitive name for themselves as a screenwriter most of them have to do tv uh like aaron sorkin or dan Harmon or any of these other like writers that we're Mm -hmm. familiar with um but he he being John Malkovich, huge movie, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, oh, he wrote. I've heard of all of these. Yeah. He wrote the script for Adaptation, that uh, Nicolas Cage movie. And he works a lot with Spike Jones. Like, that's kind of the filmmaker that understands his uh, aesthetics the best. These, like, sad meta movies about, like, uh, uh, people struggling with what it means to be human. And then for mm-hmm. some reason, we let Charlie Kaufman start directing. And we just let him fucking run loose. And so he makes Synecdoche, New York. This movie where Philip Seymour Hoffman reconstructs New York City inside of a warehouse and puts on a play, but the play is the day-to-day life of existing in New York. It's 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 like sleep no more. It's this like 360-degree theatrical experience that no one ever goes and sees. It just exists. And then to tie Charlie Kaufman back into community he then made anomalisa which was produced by dan Harmon and was made by starburns industries which is demo stamatopoulos's stop motion uh, uh film company Whoa. um that um 
produced like a bunch of adult swim shows like Moral Oral um and and Dan Harmon was this close to being like Oscar nominated as a producer of Anomalisa uh but it just it it didn't get that awards acclaim I'm afraid Damn. Anyway, there you go. Whoa. Now you now you know a little bit about Charlie Kaufman. Whoa. Anyway, some people got work to, in the morning. We yeah, we need to uh, we need to have a better you. we need to have a better a reward uh, reward award system for like it seems like there's so many people that deserve Oscars who haven't gotten them, and it would be this Yo, would be easily Oscars fixed. Fucking sham. This would be easily fixed if there was better awards, more award shows. Mm-hmm. The problem is I, I I mostly don't care about award shows because. They're mostly fluff and stupid. That's so like, the give right us, attitude. Give us, a, <laughs> give us a, I guess, a fan-voted award show? The People's Choice Awards? We tried it. The Kids' Choice Awards? The what? Teen Choice Awards? The MTV Musical? Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, sorry, I take back every, I take back everything I just said. Do not let the people vote, because they will vote for the Big Bang Theory every time. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Do not let the people vote. Take away the people's right to vote. Oh, anyway. Jesus, man. Uh, democracy's a sham, uh, as Britta Perry once said, and yes, if our votes had any real power, they'd be illegal. Uh, anyway, what say, uh, we <laughs> rank, uh, messianic yeah. myths and ancient peoples, unless anyone has <laughs> any further thoughts on the dang thing. Uh, no, let's just rank this. Let's just let's rank manajama. this shit. I personally am in love with the Waypoint podcast sign-off, which is fuck capitalism, go home. <laughs> Wait, what is this? Waypoint, the the Vice video game branch, do, uh, does a podcast twice a week, and their sign off used to be "Be good and be good at it," um, but uh, Danielle Riendo left to do her own thing, and so now it's "Fuck capitalism, go home." <laughs> and I love it so I much. Love that. Oh, I love that. Oh, that is exceptional. So I've pulled up the rankings list uh here um so let's do the end tag first uh matching outfits where uh abed and troy get matching outfits to jeff and mimic everything he says and annie shows up oh man this is a great one this is a good one this is a good one oh shit you know what it's really good it doesn't make top 10 just because top 10 is that strong right now kick puncher is better it's just it, that's our number ten, <laughs> oh, and Kick Puncher Christmas is better. Troy is better. Oh, Christmas Troy! Like the fact, oh, Christmas Troy isn't in top ten just shows you how how strong good. that top ten be. Yeah. So let's see. Is this slut funnier than Eric. Donald Glover screaming slut? Yes. No. Wait, what is this one? This is the matching. Is this outfits. what they're wearing? They're wearing oh the matching outfits. That I Jeff's was wearing wearing. Yeah, the black the black polo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm looking at this. I don't think it's funnier than Burton Ernie. I don't think it's funnier than Flagpole Voicemail. I don't think it's funnier than Vending Machine. Not funnier than spaceships. Um, getting to around 17, 18, 19 area. I oh, think it's funnier than spaceships. You do? I think it's funnier than spaceships. Yeah, I think that's where I cut it. Well hmm. Mm. six. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I'm on your yeah, 12. Damn. That means I'm on your 6. What about good. above Gone Before Breakfast, above, but below Gone Before Breakfast. Yeah. yeah. All right. Sure, Perfect. Sure. Matching outfits. <laughs> I, do, I don't know how I feel about Do You Hate This being all the way at 20 now. 
because uh, I love that but, one. But, but like, go back in your it, mind it, it and remember out. how... Oh, no, you're right. These are all funny. Remember how not funny it is until Donald Glover says, do you hate this? That it's like another time we're doing a Spanish rap joke. Like, I love him saying, do you hate this? But this was like the fourth Spanish rap joke, like in a row. I thought this was the second one. I thought this was like the mm, first time that they made maybe, a reference to it. Maybe it was... Who can say? Uh, I'm afraid, again, oh, say, dang, this yeah. is set in stone. Uh, so let's move on to the episode <laughs> rankings. Messianic myths. Oh, I was looking forward to a second one, and I forgot we only did one episode. We only did one this time, and we filled it. We filled that uh, time. Yeah, we did. We did. Mm. Messianic myths. I think um, it is better than our current number 10, Anthropology 101. I love how weird this episode I think is. This could fit into the top ten thing for me. Yeah. Uh, number number nine is currently introduction to film, where Abed makes a movie for his dad. These are two episodes about Abed making movies. Is this better? I think. I think this one just movie? edges that one out. I was going to be like, uh, intro to film was above it, but I think this one just surpasses it. Mm-hmm. And we've ironed out those say, early episode speed bumps that like introduction to yeah. film has. I was gonna say it's better than debate one hundred nine, but I don't think it's better than football feminism as you and you. And I'm in a conundrum now because mm-hmm. right, what is that? Football like, feminism and you is below debate one hundred nine. And I'm sure we made an educated decision when we made that decision. Because the Debate 109 is, the debate plot, is Abed making movies about the study group and predicting the future, and And uh, Pierce Pierce hypnotizing Britta. Yeah, okay. okay, And that is the first, like, a complete, solid, unqualified A episode. And Football Feminism New is transcendently funny. There's some wonky bits to it still. It's We're still doing the, like, Annie and Troy thing. Um, but there so are... then I'm going to say, I'm going to say this one is our new number nine. I think it just, it just beats intro to film, which I think is an appropriate placing agree. for the progression of this character. Development. All right. What are your uh, thoughts? Yep. That's what I was going to say. After, after firmly deciding that football, football feminism and you messianic. does belong Y'all are seeing below me really debate struggle to spell messianic, messianic myths yeah. and ancient peoples. Hey. Perfect though. <laughs> Man, that exchange between Jeff and Troy is so good. It's in your blood. That's racist. It's in your eyes. That's gay. That's homophobic. That's black. That's racist. Damn. Damn. (laughs) Remarkable. Remarkable stuff. All right. Well, we'll segue on into the section uh, where we talk about things we've made, things we like, and all things in between. Yeah. Skipping it. Jay, Jace I, made the executive I, I, I decision we're not doing plugs this week. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> wait, I messed it up anyway. We should do plugs. <laughs> Oop, just rewind you get a, you get a second. Yeah, I'm going to put the rewind sound effect in there. Uh, it'll be great. going to play this backwards and I'm real not- quick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Anyone want to take a uh, shot? I make I stream games. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's my you want to tell them where? No, um, 
<laughs> oh, cool, weird, nerd. Um, yeah, dude. Um, Nerdybits.com is my jam. It's the thing I do. I write about. I'm actually writing things again. <laughs> I'm also creating film sets on fucking Halo Forge because I realized, oh my god, it's a tool that lets you build sets and then act them out with props and guns and vehicles that I don't have to pay for. What? And I could just act something out. And then go back in the theater and film it, which I've done. I've done this before. I did it in high school. Yes, I'm a nerd, guys. As a chemistry That's project, okay. my freshman year of high school, my friend and I made videos about specific elements as superheroes and used Halo's Forge engine and Halo so 3 to do you, that. Anyway, you just looking um, at that blank space left by red versus blue, and you just you're like, I'm gonna fill that back in. Halo based. <laughs> comedy yeah except except what if red versus blue was as well shot mm-hmm. as like a call of duty oh, cutscene taking the serious take also voice acting anyway um nerdybits.com is where we do all our stuff we have a podcast every wednesday and every other thursday we're doing our D podcast all that good shit um and you can find me at lubwub anywhere the my blog at nerdy underscore bits anywhere and also you can find us on twitch at nerdy bits tv I just upgraded my PC this week, and I can stream PC games now, and it's fucking lit. Sorry, guys. I'm a nerd, and I'm excited. Nah, you good. <laughs> you. Speaking of nerds, I'm going to do my little thing where I shout out somebody else's content because I don't have a lot except for reposting a lot of activism stuff, especially currently. So, sure. as you know, I'm at J-A-C-E-N-Z-I-E-B on Instagram, Twitter, and do not follow me on Facebook because fuck Facebook, but I need it. But if you want to follow something kind of fun, I would go ahead and check out at Black Girl Nerds on Twitter. They're a pop culture online publication from the lens of nerdy black women. They are sick. Give them a look. Give them a read. Throw them your money. They have a Patreon. I muted my mic so you couldn't hear it, but I nodded so hard my headphones fell off. (laughs) They're they're fantastic. Give them a a little look-see. They're they're really doing – I don't want to say the Lord's work, so I'll say Praxis. They're doing the universe's work. Exactly. And if you got that Praxis reference, I see you, comrade. Well done. Comrade. (laughs) Wait, what is this? (laughs) Nope. Praxis? Praxis? When I hear Praxis, I think of Deus Ex. Lol. Machina? The video game? No, the games, because I'm a nerd. Yeah, fucking <laughs> oh. dork. No, Praxis is, uh, so it's like with like communist theory and like socialist theory. Praxis is what you call it when you take that theory and you put it into practice. It's called Praxis. So. Oh, okay. Nice. Fucking sick, dude. If you like uh, to support the things I do, patreon.com slash TV's Kevin is a place to do that. For the next foreseeable future, I'm I'm donating every month's earnings to some organization under the, the Black Lives Matter heading. But if you want to show me support anyway, that is a good place that you can do that. Um, you can check out, uh, my week daily, uh, webcomic Patty Plague Doc. Uh, you can find it, uh, on Instagram of the same name, uh, or you can find it on my Twitter at TV's Kevin Lanigan. Follow the show at Greendale 3. <laughs> do it. How do you spell Patty? P- How do you spell P-A-T-T-Y. Patty for Patty Plague? Thank Plague you. Doc. Um, and I, I, it's a balance between, uh, humor and also trying to spread good information about why you should wear your fucking mask. Uh, let's see. And, uh, uh, had something we were meant to be supposed to be, but we lost it. Oh, Hey, if you're listening to this, where, whatever podcast platform (laughs) you are on, 
there is a way to leave us a review, give us a rating, hit a star, something. Like and subscribe. Uh, yeah, to oh, to let us know that you uh, uh, like us and want our show to be spread around to uh, other people. Um, and or you hate us, let us know. Or you hate I'm us. Oh, and uh, uh, one last bit. Uh, as the day this episode uploads, we are playing our third round of. Uh, Quad Roads Monopoly, which is mon- four Monopoly boards uh, slammed together. Uh, that is on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Kelly Herald. K-E-L-L-E-H-E-R-A-L-D. Uh, anyway, that's the last plug. Uh, and we will be wow. back next week. We're back to the double header. Do you want to give a do you want to give a little shout out to Six Seasons in a Podcast that we just finished doing a little feature something something yeah sure so uh there's two (laughs) special eps of six seasons in a podcast headed your way one is uh a solo episode of me from like two months ago at this point and one uh the three of us uh hopped on to talk about advanced dungeons and dragons and the recent uh, uh news and controversy surrounding that episode uh, I don't know when it will be out vis-a-vis the, relation, uh, the release of this episode, but they have fucking interviews with... I mean, if when our episode comes out, our lead-in will have been Joel McHale, Danny Pudi, Jim Rash, <laughs> uh, writer Megan Gans, uh, Andrew Guest, Andy Barbara, like fucking... I mean, uh, of course you want to listen to that. It's great. Sometime in the future, great. you'll be able to hear uh, us, uh, which will be exciting for you, I'm sure. Um, but we will be back <laughs> next week with, uh, <clears throat> another doubleheader, an ABBA zombie episode, and an episode about a little trampoline. Uh, but until then, uh, yeah. pop, pop! Pop, pop! Pop what? I did it right this time. Okay. Fuck. Why? Why every it's just every fucking time it's like, why did you stop? Oh wait, that's the thing. I'm so audio engine. It brings me such joy to see that it's still surprising to you. This has been a Talkback Podcast. That was quite a show.